0: Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics. We examine the Word of God, focusing on the book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. We take a deeper look into their service to the kingdom to follow their example. Our desire has always been to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world shaking influence that the early church had. By digging deeper into scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one man created. The church age is not over. What happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you know that there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus, and you want more, then you're welcome to join us on this journey as we get back to basics. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button or write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, and we hope that you would, there are ways to do so on firefalltalkradio.com's main page. If you need more information, reach out to us. We appreciate your support and encouragement, your prayers, and all that you offer. And Welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. I'm hoping that you are subscribing so that you know when a new uh, session of The Porch goes up or is live. Feel free to share. Let's get the word out there. Let's get people ready for the times that we are already in. Thank you for being a part of The Porch. If you need prayer or you want to pray for others in The Porch community, let us know. We'll get you on the list. We'll uh, let you know what's going on. We'd like to pray for you. We'd like to help you if we can. Make sure that you are connected to us on social media Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. There are links on the main site. You know, we start out with praise reports and prayer requests, and um, I have a big one. 43 years ago today, my wife and I got married, made the commitment. There were some bumps along the way, you know my testimony, you know our story, but the Lord is faithful, and I am blessed and highly favored in every part of my life, but especially in marriage. So um, thank you for everybody that reached out to us and said happy anniversary. Lord, we love you. You are awesome. You are an absolutely awesome father, Abba, Papa, Daddy. You loved us even when we were unlovable. I know you did with me. You created us in your image to fellowship with you and to walk with you and Adam messed all that up. But Yeshua fixed it and we are back in right relationship with you. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for making a way for us immediately knowing full well what was going to happen, knowing the end from the beginning, you set things in motion. Lord, we thank you for paying our debts, washing away our sin, restoring us in right relationship to the Father, allowing us to sit with you in the heavenly places, And sending back your Holy Spirit. Lord, you are everything. Master, teacher, friend, Messiah, King of kings, Lord of lords. There's none like you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for walking with us and teaching us and encouraging us. We ask you to help us. Help us understand this word. Help us to walk the kingdom walk at a time when it is so desperately needed. We thank you for everything we have, homes, families, furry kids, every all the possessions. For me, the technology, the place to do this, to be with my brothers and sisters all around the world. Fellowshipping Until the day we can come together, whether here or there, Lord, You keep us connected. So watch over this technology tonight. Protect us from all harm. Keep the enemy from us. Keep us from evil and the evil one. Let us shine your glory. Let us shine your light. We clear our minds. We take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah, claiming the mind of Messiah. We cast down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of El Elyon, God Most High. Our Abba Father, Holy Spirit, have Your way. Do whatever You want to do. Let this word go forth. Let lives be changed. Let chains be broken. Prison doors fly open. Let let people that were just simmering come on fire. The flames going out. Let it let it touch them. Burn them from the inside out. Let them shine. Let's take the gospel of the kingdom to the world. So that you can come get us. We pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information except where noted. the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I I almost took off there. We're about to have a Holy Spirit time in the house. So tonight we're going to finish out. This lesson on Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. We've broken it down into threes. And now we're going to get the final three. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, meekness, humility, self-restraint. Three clusters of three. The first ones, love, joy, and peace, were internal fruit offered to us by the Holy Spirit supernaturally. Long-suffering kindness and goodness, external fruit we offered to others again, inspired by the Spirit. And then faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control combined it. We experience them both internally and externally. This final triad of supernatural fruit brings us into the fullness of who the Lord is in us. Remember John 15, 1 through 5, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, says the Lord, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Without Him, we can do nothing. The sooner we understand that, the sooner we accept that, the sooner we act upon that, we can be more productive. We can get out of the way. The Nelson Study Bible, New King James Version, says Christians, or believers as I call us, are spiritually crucified with Messiah. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Messiah. It is no longer I who live, but Messiah lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We have been crucified in Messiah. In him we share his crucifixion. It's no longer we who live. But Messiah lives in us, and the life we live in the body we live by faith, by adherence to and reliance on and complete trust in the Son of God who loved us and gave his life for us. We are no longer obligated to follow the values or the desires of this world. When we do, we do it by choice. He says in Galatians 6, 14, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You cannot be in agreement with this world. You cannot walk with this world and live the life the Lord wants for you. We can't do it. We have got to die to this world this world has got to become unpopular distasteful and we must become separate from it now it remains difficult for us as believers to apply this spiritual reality when we're dealing with the passions the affections the desires the lust of the flesh when we master those sinful yes sinful desires, and we keep our focus on Him, then we are walking in the Spirit. Through the fruit of the Spirit, we walk and talk relationship with the Lord. I am tired, weary of people who don't walk what they talk, and what they talk is filtered with such worldly, secular, humanistic things, I just shake my head. You cannot walk with this world and walk with him. And why would you want to? I say, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There is a war going on between your flesh, you, your old nature, your old programming, your old patterns, with the new you, the born-again you, the spiritual you. And whatever you're preconditioned to, whatever your programming is is what you will fall back on when squeezed the enemy knows that he tries to wear you down tries to squeeze you and get you to a place where he can get you to act like your old nature you got to keep reminding yourself no no i am born again i am a new creation that's why paul exhorted the galatians to walk in the spirit it should be natural. We should be naturally supernatural. But unfortunately, we're always at war with the flesh. Walking in the Spirit means to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You've got to listen. And then you have to do what he says do. We have to take that still, small voice and act upon it. And the only way you could hear him is if you block out the noise, if you block out the world, if you focus on the things of the Spirit. A believer following the Spirit's lead will now produce the fruit of the flesh. That word flesh in the Greek, sarx, S-A-R-X. If you're looking it up in the Strong's, it's forty number 4561. It's what he talks about. In Galatians 6, 8, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Romans 7:18, For I know that in me that's in my flesh nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Romans 8:13, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, in the Greek, the word sox usually means nothing more than the human body. And it's used that way, like in John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But Paul is using it to represent the entire fallen human being, not just the sinful body, but the entire being, soul and mind, and spirit, which is affected by sin. Paul pitted the flesh against the spirit. These are diametrically opposed forces. And it's when we try to bridge the gap, is when we try to live in the world but say we're spiritual. Oh, I'm doing the things of the spirit. No, you're not. The two cannot get along. They do not agree. Now, the unbeliever can only live in the flesh. But we as believers can choose that we're going to live in the flesh or we're going to live in the spirit. And I say to you right now, some of you that are struggling with what I'm talking about, make a conscious choice and a commitment from this point on to live in the spirit and to deny the things of the flesh. That's what Paul does. He encourages the believers to overcome the actions of the flesh by living in the spirit. Those who belong to Messiah Yeshua have crucified the flesh, their godly human nature, with its passions and appetites and desires. So this final triad of spiritual truth are the ones I believe the flesh fights the hardest. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Faithfulness or faith, they are interchangeable, means exercising good faith and fidelity in our relationships just as God does with us. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He's going to allow you to make choices that in actuality you'd say, well, Lord, don't let me do that. Well, why would you let me do that? Well, I need to show you that there's a part of your life that is not completely surrendered to me. Faithfulness signifies trustworthiness and dependability. The Holman illustrated Bible dictionary says that throughout the scriptures, faith is the trustful human response to God's self-revelation via his words and his actions. God initiates the relationship between himself and human beings. He expects people to trust him. Failure to trust him was in an essence the first sin in the garden. Faith is the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, and it's used by Paul 142 times. The living, divinely implanted, acquired, and created principle of inward and wholehearted confidence, assurance, trust, and reliance in God and all that he says. Now, I will tell you this for me personally. I have no problem trusting God. It's me I don't trust. It's me that I expect to fail. Oh, yeah, even after all these years, even after walking with them, talking with them, even after the miracles and the divine experiences and the revelations and the, the visions and all the things I've done, I'm always dealing with me. We're always dealing with us, we're always fighting us. And I was thinking about it, I was outside with the dogs, and I like to talk to the Lord and listen to the Spirit as I look at the sky and, you know, while while the dogs are doing their business, which is really not very spiritual, but it's a part of life. Um, But I was thinking about how the enemy likes to wear us down. He likes to get us tired. He likes to get us, you know, just overwhelmed so that we act on the old nature. The old programming comes forward we lash out we we get emotional we we think thoughts we shouldn't think and at those moments we have to stop take a breath say a prayer turn your eyes towards him and be reminded of who you are you are a new creation the old you is dead so to believe is an act it's a process of faith pistis comes from pisteu pisteuo which I could run with, but I'm not going to. 240 times, eight times in the New Testament. What it means, it's a present tense indicating ongoing faith. And that inspires faithfulness. And that is the benefit of relationship. See, it always comes back to relationship. It's not about religion, it's not about form and formality or ritual. That faith, that belief, that trust, that confidence, that fidelity, the faithfulness, this fruit of the Spirit is always a gift received from God. It's never produced or generated by us. It's not natural. It's supernatural. For the believer, it's God's divine persuasion that he is who he is. So it's, it's distinct from human belief, confidence. It involves it, but completely supernatural. You want to walk this walk? You want to have this life? You want the miracles, the signs, the wonders? You want to hear from the Lord? Stop being natural. Be supernatural. And the Lord will continuously birth this kind of faithfulness in the yielded believer so that they can know what he prefers. What is the persuasion of his will? 1 John 5, 4, For everyone born of God is victorious, and I believe that means born again, is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing, persistent faith in Yeshua, the Son of God. That's it. It's pretty basic. Not very complicated. Something we need to try to do. Acts 14, starting in verse 21. Excuse me. Paul and Barnabas are encouraging the converts. And this, when they preach the gospel... In that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Aconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. You know, the one thing I've always tried to do, even from where you had the Home church in our family room back in Tallahassee is not watered down the word. To tell you the truth, that this walk is not easy. There's going to be tribulations. You're going to be attacked. You're going to suffer at times. But we become strengthened. We enter the kingdom. We become who we're supposed to be in him through Action, the action of faith, action inspires a response. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Taking it, make it a choice. It's an action. Pews and buildings called churches, that's what they call themselves. I'm the church. I don't sit in me. I am me. Chew on that one for a while. They're sitting there. They're passive. They're reactive, not proactive. Oh, I'm being, I'm being shot with the fiery darts of the enemy. I, I guess I should pick up that shield of faith. No, it should be in your hand. It should be ready. You should be proactive. You should expect the enemy's going to take a shot at you through your family, through your marriage, through, through the people you work with, through uh, the, the world system that sword should be ready. The armor should be on. I am my most effective in spiritual warfare. When the minute I wake up, I understand I don't belong here. This is not my home. I'm living in the enemy camp, and I'm prepared for battle. That's the way I was when I first got saved. When I got to Tallahassee, that was my mindset. I woke up ready for a fight. Let me tell you right now, on Wednesday, April 26th, 2023, I am regaining that mindset. I am getting back into that kind of spiritual shape because for too long we have been reactive to what the enemy's doing in the world and around us and to us. We have not been proactive. We've not taken the fight to the enemy. We've not woken up in the morning or prayed during the night realizing, hey, more than likely the enemy's going to go after my family, going to go after me, going to go after my my furry kids. Well, guess what, enemy, I'm coming for you. I'm going to keep you on the run. I'm going to keep you on your heels. We need to have that wholehearted trust that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, in Him, capital H, Yeshua, in Him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Listen to me. God is faithful. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Stress, anxiety, fear, all the things comes from wondering and worrying and being anxious and not trusting him. This kind of faith that I'm talking about, this fruit of the Spirit, this faithfulness was something new. This isn't Old Testament. This is New Covenant. And it began with the believers in Yeshua. No one else taught this. Because faithfulness comes from deep inside our hearts, from seeds planted by the Holy Spirit. Mother Teresa said, God hasn't called me to be successful, He's called me to be faithful. And she was. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, He who calls you is faithful who will also do it. Being faithful in all things means we're the players in the game, but he's the one keeping score. That should give you some relief. That should give you some confidence. Matthew 25, 21, He said to him, Lord, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I know I've said it here before, and I remember early on people would say, Oh, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. During prayer one day, I had this visual, this vision, if you will, of entering into his presence when my job is done, when the race is over. And I realized, you know what I wanted to hear? I didn't want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to hear, and I know I will. Welcome home, son. Good job. Now let's talk about gentleness and meekness because they all build. They all work together. And while God can be described As meek and gentle in his dealings with us, that's what the Word says. Psalm 1835, you have always given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. But meekness, controlled power, is primarily a character trait associated with the human condition. That's why it's a fruit of the Spirit in us and for us. Galatians 5 leads us to so many other scriptures. That's the thing I love about the Word. You should, too, when you read the Word, when you read the scriptures, when you go through it. Don't just do devotions. Yes, devotions are good. But those devotions should trigger thoughts, should trigger desire for more of the Word. But it all ties together in this wonderful tapestry, in this wonderful banquet, this feast. Second Corinthians ten one through 6 talks about the spiritual war. But in that spiritual war, we see the fruit of the Spirit. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Messiah, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent, I am bold toward you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Messiah, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When I pray that prayer of taking my thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah, this is the section of the the word I'm referring to. I'm casting down the vain the arguments, the vain imagination, the thing that the enemy in this world would like me to think about the Word, to think about the Lord, to think about my Heavenly Father. Meekness is the disposition to be gentle, to be kind, to be indulgent, even balanced in tempers and passion, patient in suffering injuries without feeling a spirit of revenge. See, that's opposite from the world. The world says, oh, they lashed out at you, you lash out at them. Meekness says, yeah, I could, but I don't have to. I choose not to. And when we do that, we're walking in the spirit. When we choose to lash out, when we choose to respond, we have left the spiritual realm and we're back in the world. The Vine's complete expository dictionary of Old and New Testament words says, "Meekness is consists not in a person's outward behavior only, nor yet in his relations to his fellow man. As little in his mere natural disposition; rather, its inwrought, its inward grace of the soul." And the exercises of it are first and chiefly towards God. It is that temper of the spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good. And therefore, without disputing or resisting, it's closely linked with the word humility and follows directly upon it. See, we have to be meek even in our response to God and what he's doing with us. See, the meek person is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of in his own inferiority. Rather, we are as bold as a lion and strong as Samson in our moral life, and we're not fooled about ourselves. We've accepted God's estimation of our life. He knows, we know that we're weak and helpless without God. But we also know at the same time that we are so powerful because of him, because of his word, because of the Holy Spirit. We know all too well the world will never see him as God sees him. And guess what? We've stopped caring what the world thinks. I don't care what the world thinks. I only care what the Lord thinks. Ephesians four two with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. See how they all just keep coming back long suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness. They're they're all in then love capped off by love. The fruit of the spirit just keeps producing more fruit. It's self replicating. Colossians three twelve. Therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved, put on tender mercies. Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Put it on. Clothe yourselves. Make it a choice. That we are God's chosen ones. We are his hand-picked representatives who've been purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself, by Abba himself, putting on behavior that is marked by tender-hearted mercy, kind feeling. A lowly opinion of ourselves, gentle in our ways, patient, which is tireless, long-suffering, and has the power to endure whatever comes with a good temper. That's not human behavior. That's superhuman behavior. Choosing meekness. For me, it always reminds me of the summer I wore. So, of course, I always... I always go back to that kind of thinking. The Samurai warrior was meek. He had self-control. He was empowered by the emperor that if you disrespected him, he could draw that sword and punish you, even take your life. But he would choose not to. He was meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, Matthew 5, 5 you can't inherit the earth if you're going to lash out at everything it ties directly into self-control one leads to another leads to another and sets us up to be fruitful this is what the world is missing from the body this is what the church has not chose chosen to show them we've been tricked we've been misled We've been deceived. Oh, we need to get militant. We have to get militant against the enemy through prayer and spiritual warfare and things like that. Not physically. I can't find that in the New Testament. Oh, yes, the Lord did tell the disciples to take a sword. They were going to need to defend themselves. Too many believers take that sword and they don't just defend themselves, they attack. They go on the offense. Self control, in other words, temperance. A, mod- a moderation in the indulgence of the appetites and passions. The Greek encrateia comes from kratos, or strength. Self-control, self-restraint, and a word very interesting, continence. Continence means you're in control. To be incontinent means you're not in control. They use that, of course, for bodily functions. And guess what? It's the same thing spiritually. When you are incontinent spiritually, you can't control what comes out of you. And boy, does that make a mess. Self-control, like meekness, comes from strength, not from weakness. Second Peter 1, verses 5 through 9. And this is about the fruitful growth in faith. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance. To perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus the Messiah. For he who lacks these things is short sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. What a pattern, what a formula there. Pairing itself with other aspects of the Lord's character to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance. Precept upon precept, line upon line. You're building, you're growing. In Acts 24, when Paul's in front of Felix He says to him in verses 25 and 26, Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given to him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. Felix never intended to be changed to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness. You see the building blocks? You want to become the person you desire to be in the Spirit? You want to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh? You want to become that warrior, that spiritual giant, the kind like David that took down the Goliaths of this world? Then you need to build some things in you. You need to take some things off of you. You need to get that self-control. Titus 1, verses 7 through 9, this is about leadership, but I believe it affects every aspect of the Christian believer's walk, however you want to call it. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, That goes most of the leadership. But hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-control, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict others who contradict. comes up again in 1 Timothy 3. This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop or an overseer, he desires a good work. A bishop must then be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Again, there goes most of the leadership. Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. We must be masters of ourselves so that we can be the servants of others. Proverbs sixteen thirty two, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Remember I said before, the enemy likes to wear you down so that your condition brings a response. So whatever your trigger is, the enemy knows that if he pulls that trigger, what response he's going to get. Is it fear? Is it not being in control? Is it, is it lack? What What is the trigger that the enemy knows that he can pull, the button he can push to get you to lose self-control? Only you know that, and you have to be willing to admit what it is. The Apostle Paul lived what he taught. In Acts 20, we see that he exhorted the leaders, the elders in the church in Ephesus. For Miletus he sent to Ephesus, and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I have always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was healthful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord, Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I've received from Adonai Yeshua to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul was a walking, talking example of God's grace from when he was Saul of Tarsus to Paul who helped establish and build the Gentile church. You know, we reap what we sow. The curse of sin and death is broken over us when we become born again. But whatever our garden is, whatever weeds that are in there, more than likely, we're going to deal with them. We're going to have to pluck them by hand. We're going to have to face the consequences of our actions. You know, you're about men going to prison and becoming saved. That doesn't mean that they get to get out now because God has forgiven them. No, they have to pay for their actions. Now, maybe miraculously by grace, he'll set them free. But more often than not, as I've ministered to prisoners, They're free in mind. They're free in spirit. They're free in their hearts, though their bodies are still incarcerated. And some people walking around that are not imprisoned are imprisoned by their past. I did things I'm not proud of. And this 43-year marriage are things that I chose to do that left scars, that did things that I cannot undo. I know I've been forgiven, but I also know what my choices did. And part of that was not being control of my emotions, not being able to control the parts of me that lashed out, the wrath, and all came from emotional hurts and baggages and fears. Things passed down to me. I look back at those times, and when you get older, it is true. You look back on things, and the enemy doesn't cease to remind you of your mistakes, and I shake my head. Sometimes I even say out loud, What were you thinking? Well, the truth was, I wasn't. At least not with a clear, born again mind. Don't let the enemy kick you when you're down. Don't let him remind you of your past. Acknowledge it. Yeah, I did those things, but I've been forgiven. They've been blotted out. The blood has covered them. But self-control is key to our walk. I believe that's why it's the last fruit listed. Erwin Lutzer wrote a book called Managing Your Emotions, and I found this story very powerful. This is what he said. We all know that Alexander the Great conquered the world. What few people know is that this mighty general could not conquer himself. Cletus, a dear friend of Alexander's and a general in his army, became intoxicated and ridiculed the emperor in front of his men. Blinded by anger and quick as lightning, Alexander snatched a spear from the hand of the soldier nearby and hurled it at Cletus. Though he only intended to scare the drunken general, His aim was true, and the spear took the life of his childhood friend. Deep in remorse, deep remorse followed his anger, overcome with guilt. Alexander tried to take his own life with the same spear, but was stopped by his men. For days he lay sick, calling for his friend Cletus, chiding himself as a murderer. Lutzer concludes by saying Alexander the Great conquered many cities. He conquered many countries, but he failed miserably to conquer himself. So many people have lashed out in anger. I don't know many that have done what Alexander did to a childhood friend, but I, w- I could see it. That's that old nature. That's that flesh nature. That's that thing that Adam turned loose when he fell which is why we have to be born again. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others I myself should become disqualified. You know, this thing about disqualification, I believe it's real. And I believe it needs to be addressed. It needs to be dealt with. I believe that when a minister, man, woman, teacher of God, falls, they should disqualify themselves. They should sit down and step aside for a period of time until such time as the Lord or the Spirit tells them to go back. There should be a process of repentance and restoration, a process of pulling that weed out, getting rid of that fruit of the flesh, and regrowing healthy fruit of the Spirit. But more often than not, I've seen these same people not willing to walk away from the money, walk away from the the limelight, and continue on. And I've seen people support those people, putting good seed and bad ground and, and joining in their sin. It's not my job to call it out. It's not my job to say anything, it's the Lord's. And I think these people are going to be sorely shocked, severely shocked when they stand before him and he replays this period in their life for for them. If we confess our sins, he is right and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we've got to submit to the cleansing. We've got to submit to the fine-tuning. We've got to admit, hey, I messed up. There is no place for the fruit of the flesh in ministry. There is no place for the fruit of the flesh in the walk, in the spirit, the kingdom walk. When I see it in me, I just shake my head and go, where'd you come from? How'd you grow back? Now I got to deal with you again. It's very frustrating. Very frustrating. But the enemy knows. He knows what our buttons are. And he, thankfully, he's restrained. Just think if he could do more than what he does. But he doesn't have to. We help him. Oh, that's the one that does it. I'm just going to keep pushing that button. And the button. Push the button. Push the button. till it stops working. or we break it. We say no more. I'm born again. I'm a new creation. That's the old me. I'm not going to give in to that. See, the planted seeds that produce fruit can only happen when we fully Open ourselves up to the light of the Lord, to the glory of God, shining down upon us to nurture us. And he will tend it. He will nurture the vine. These planted seeds in our walk need his light. It, it needs the water of the word and the spirit to bear fruit. We can't do it without it, and we can't do it by ourselves. You have got to open your Bible. You have got to get in the Word. I think it's great that you're listening. Hopefully, you're downloading. Hopefully, you're swinging back one or two or three times, grabbing the Scriptures, pondering on what the Lord's allowed me to share. But you have got to tend your own garden. You've got to pray for the reign of the Spirit and the washing of the Word. The active, powerful, dunamis presence, living presence of the Ruach HaKodesh, of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life, produces the fruit we're talking about, produces the Lord's virtues within us, just as a living tree will bear good fruit. Colossians one ten through 10-13, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father. Thank you, Abba. Thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. You've been delivered. You're a new creation. But I'm going to cut you some slack. Because growth takes time. I read this quote. I don't know who George Chauncey is. It's from a book called Leadership. It says, The church should be a community of dates instead of pumpkins. See, pumpkins you can harvest in six months. Dates must be planted and tended by the people who will not live to harvest them. Dates are for future generations. Let it grow. Because, finally, Philippians 1, six. Listen to me, those of you who have no faith in yourself. That's fine, have faith in him. Because I am convinced and confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Messiah Yeshua, the time of his return. Be convinced of that. Hold on to that. Father, we are desperate for you to do in us what needs to be done. Prune, trim, stir up the soil, fertilize it if you have to. We want to grow. We want to produce fruit. We want to be what this world needs us to be, what your church needs needs us to be, those who have not compromised, those who have not given up, those who have not cut a deal with the world or the devil to be left alone. No, we stand. We stand knowing who you are as Abba Father. We stand knowing who you are as Messiah and Lord. We stand knowing that the Holy Spirit is in us and with us and and walking and teaching and encouraging us and producing fruit through us so that we can offer fruit to others. Holy Spirit, have your way. Thank you for this word. Thank you for this series and this teaching. Now take it. Take it all. Take all the sessions and all the words and all the scriptures and all the illustrations and all the stories and and take them right now and explode them, and stir them up, and and make them dunamis, dynamic inside of us, inside of our minds, our hearts, our souls, and our spirits. Let us become giants. Let us become giant slayers, walking, leaving scorch marks in this world because we are living, breathing, fire-filled believers in the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we are children of Almighty God, Abba, Father. And we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. I pray all these things. and I hope you'll agree with me. In Yeshua's name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May Adonai Yeshua Mashiach make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, may Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. <laughs>